So, uh, episode two's here, but you didn't think that was going to happen, eh? Been a while, but we're back. I went away for a wee bit to try and find some camo trousers, but just couldn't find any. Episode two. Um, been a while coming, but we're back. Um, we've got a wee friend of ours from Livingston. Yep. Um, now living in London. Eh? Can't hide money. <laughs> um, it's Bruni. So, Bruni. Hello. I know the Scott, no, no the Scott variety, by the way. No. Um, tell us about, about, about yourself. Where are you? What are you doing? I am in London. Um, currently... <laughs> Gosh, what day is it? Thursday. I've totally lost track of what day it is because I work from home like a couple of days a week and they've changed my schedule. I thought today was Friday, so I'm disappointed. So Unfortunately not. I know. But yeah, just working and then do we mention that I stream? I stream. Feel free. Feel free to tell people where to find you. You can find me on Twitch at Bruni, which is um, BR20NY because the person that's got Bruni won't give it up. But um, I'd probably just get mistaken more for being Scott Brown, to be fair. And nobody wants that. No. God, no. So you mentioned work. What is it you do? I am a production coordinator for a high-end online fashion retailer. So I work for their own brand. Mm -hmm. It's It's a massive company and they buy in lots of designer goods to sell in the UK. It's mm-hmm. a really big company. We've actually done really well throughout COVID, thank God. I've been really lucky to keep my job. Yeah, I mean, you say high-end, and I remember looking at one of the links. The trousers are like £2,000 for a pair of briefs. Yeah, uh, and they weren't even submarine nice. Submarine pants or something? Yeah. Absolutely honking. They were horrific. <laughs> oh, they were bad. They were bad. Um, so, today's topic of conversation, as you'll have seen in the title, is relationships. Yep. Now, when we say relationships... I'm not talking somebody that you take to your bedroom with you. Um, obviously, that's part of it, but we, we're also talking about relationships with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we'll crack right in. Yes. Um, and then we can, we can chat right after. But the first question we've got is, has there ever been a wee time where you've been in a relationship? Now, again, not just a sexual relationship, but any form of relationship that's made you feel like your mental health was declining. Um, I probably suffer the most with my past job in terms of my mental health being in absolute tatters. It mm. was my first proper job. So I moved to London because my cousin got me a job as her, like, intern. Right, okay. So in, like, the space of two weeks, I moved into London with, like, massive hopes. Like, everyone that moves to London thinks they're going to live that sex in the city life. And there have been times where it has felt like that, but I basically done this internship and then it was like make or break, go back to Scotland or try and stay here and do the job that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, in the nick of time, I got a job at this uniform company. Right, okay. Um, which is where I started working in production. But the boss of this company, and I've got really good friends of mine now who I met through this company and will all attest that this woman was horrible. She, um, I don't know how to describe it. If you've ever seen The Devil Wears Prada and you've got Miranda Priestley as the head who everyone in the office is scared of her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't hold punches. She, um, my boss was basically like that. Is that the, the Meryl Streep character? Yeah. I've never seen it. My only relation to that film is it's mentioned in the American office. Yeah. Other so that, I don't know much about it. She's like... To be fair, she's an incredible woman. Like she runs this magazine company in the movie. She runs this magazine company, but what comes with it is she's like incredibly guarded and she's just depicted as like being really horrible, no holds barred. Everyone feels that they have to look a certain way around her. And mm-hmm. I kind of felt like my boss took that on board. And but is the fashion industry no a wee bit like that or, or is that just a, a- sweeping generalization i think it's a sweeping generalization i mean a lot of people that i've met in the industry are lovely like i said i've got some really good best friends and stuff that i've met in the industry Mm. and 
I think in a lot of the normal behind the scenes roles, you'll get people who are really down to earth. I yeah. think a lot in the front facing parts of the industry, so like buyers, people who work in PR, people who work in marketing, they do kind of give off that persona. I think the fashion industry as a whole as well just has this whole reputation of being really snobby and pretentious. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there is a degree of um, narcissism involved in the fashion industry. People are very yeah. up themselves. Like it's all about looks. I wouldn't expect it to not be that way. Ah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense that it is. But um, this boss of mine... I was terrified of her at first. Like I could see when I joined the company, a lot of people in the office were really intimidated by her. And then um, I basically worked my way up through the, the ranks over a course of three years. And I saw so many people leave this company. It's a, mm-hmm. It was a really small company as well. But for an example, people would be scared to tell her if they'd made a mistake because it would be held over you for ages. There was a massive blame culture. And um, mm. she also like commented a lot on like people's weight. So, me oh, and dear Lord. yeah, me and my good friend were not petite girls. Like we're quite big. And mm-hmm. um, I remember one time I tried on a dress that we were getting rid of, and it fit me. And my boss made a comment saying, "Oh well, that just goes to show how big our pattern blocks used to be that it fits you." Wow. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And in the moment, I like laugh it off. Yeah, of course. But you go home and it really bothers you that that is how she sees me. Mm-hmm. And there was so many cases of this. Like, I remember when we had new people and they'd make a mistake, they wouldn't tell her, they would come to me and then I would have to kind of take the blame for it, which I was fine to do. Like, I used to get told by employees, like, oh, well, you do it because you're the favourite. Because even though she was really toxic she up until a point treated me really well Mm -hmm. there came a point where um i can't remember what happened but i basically just kind of stood up to her she was in the wrong and i stood up to her and it's almost like you had to do that to gain her respect she would walk all over you until you sort of showed her that you couldn't be but um yeah for three years it was just awful she would always kick off she turned employees against each other like you could never tell her anything in confidence because she would harvest this really toxic environment but I remember so much like coming home and phoning my parents and crying and saying that like moving to London was such a bad idea to be around these people it made you not want to go to work and anytime there was a mistake it was really really terrifying because you knew you were going to get shouted at you were and mercilessly shouted at and it's funny now because I notice a lot of things that I have as a personality trait because of that job. So I get super defensive if there's an issue or if there's a deadline, I get super stressed about hitting it because to me, to not hit it is going to result in this massive like fallout or a huge blow up from another employee. And that's not the case. So it's something that unfortunately, because I spent three years in such a horrible environment and around such a really hard to deal with women mm. it now has like a knock-on effect yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's that kind of becoming a product of your, your own environment really if, if if you are in that environment where i mean it sounds toxic don't get me wrong um, if your defenses are, are are kind of built to to, to go in the direction that yours went and i'd imagine that's a hard um it's a hard it's a word i'm looking for here that it's, it's a hard uh, I can't think of the word. Cycle. There we go. Yeah. A difficult word. It's a hard cycle to break. Um, but making comments on your weight and stuff—that's that's oh, brutal. She was awful. Especially then. I mean, obviously, the topic of this got this conversation is mental health. Um, especially when women's mental health is—and I'm not saying all women's mental health because that's not fair—but a lot of it is down to the pressure that's put on them in society. To, to look a certain way or have a certain figure or yeah for someone for someone to put to, 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 to make comments on someone's figure is to put a fine up right now she's a, she sounds like an asshole yeah no she she done the same to my colleague um god she was just awful i think as well being in that industry there's i suppose in a way if you work in fashion you're even more exposed to that sort of like it's how you look it's your body weight everyone's on a diet 
I remember as well when I first started there when we were having lunch and she came over to have her lunch and one of the first things she asked me was like did you vote for independence no and then she went or and then another one was like she voted she asked me if I voted to leave the EU and stuff and you'd always try I don't like talking about politics at work because it can yeah it can give people impressions of you but she used to always go off about Brexit and she would always go on about Trump and she used to say that like Americans oh my god they're so stupid for voting for Trump (laughs) and you would even in those scenarios like your mental health because you're you're like oh my god I don't want to say the wrong thing because it will just set her off and then my whole lunch break is going to be this massive spiel walking on tender hooks is is, uh, it's, it's never good for you especially if you can't express yourself freely um, within reason, obviously, there's certain things you can and can't say at work, but yeah, you still get to be able to express yourself without fear of condemnation. Yeah, um, exactly. But that that end of, see that independence question. Do you not find as a, as a, I was going to say Scotsman, but that's probably not the correct terminology for genders nowadays. As a Scottish person, see when I get I find someone who isn't Scottish, that's like the first question they want to ask you. Yeah, I went on a night out here once and. Um... I was having a cigarette outside a, a pub and someone had clocked my accent and they were also Scottish. So there was like three <laughs> of us all Scottish and even they were like, well, did you vote for independence? And I was like, let's not even, like yeah. someone is always going to get really defensive about it. Like, let's not even discuss it. Like, I'm just thrilled there's another Scottish person here. Where are you from? <laughs> uh, they're supposed to be all brothers in arms. Yeah, literally, um, we're across the border. Let's just u- unite. <laughs> we're in foreign territory. Um, so this this crazy wifey, um, who we're also not naming, how, well, how, when did you realise that her behaviour was having a, a negative effect on you? And when you did realise, what did you do to get away from it or change it? Um, I mean, unfortunately, I the ultimate choice for me was to leave. Like it was. She was never going to change her ways in terms of realizing how bad she was, like kind of from day one, to be honest, like even in my interview for this job, which was for an internship at the time, she had mentioned that basically the last intern left because her boyfriend moved away and how it was very unfeminist for her to follow her boyfriend like back home rather than stick it out of the job. And then... I know, and in hindsight, the girl probably took her boyfriend going home as a chance to get out of the company herself. So, like, power yes. to her. She probably made him move so she could go with him. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. day so one. had to leave. Ultimately, yeah, I think a lot of us made that decision to leave. Like, we just couldn't put up with it anymore. It sounds really bad, but it was almost like every month there was a new employee in the office who was just going through it mercilessly. You could yeah. see them every day coming in defeated. You could see them just having no motivation, being so thrilled to go home. And then one mm. by one, people just dropped by flies. But I lasted three years and I got my current job because of that job. So, I mean, it was worth sticking it out, but I'm yeah, sure there was better ways. Yeah. Um, what really, I mean, one of, the, one of the criticisms I got for the last podcast, right, was not telling people enough about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Work-related for me, I, I was, you already know this because we spoke about this in length, um, I was a housing officer for a local council mm-hmm. um, and I absolutely hated it. Like, this, uh, you, you, I don't know how many times you've had to hear me say that, but I absolutely hate it. Um, yeah. I think that, for me, my, when my mental health started to decline, now my mental health was never, had never been great, but when it started to decline when I was in that position, I knew it was time to go when my empathy went. Um, in a position like that you've got to be empathetic towards people although sometimes they'll come to you with with troubles like I don't know, the the radiator is is leaking or their neighbour's having a party or somebody's letting their dog shite in their garden or or something like that Yeah, trivial, trivial things but it's it's, it's a big deal to them Yeah, and I'd lost all empathy for it and I knew it was time to go Um. I kind of dealt with it almost the same stuff as you, um, not as bad. I did have to deal with comments on my appearance. Um, oh yeah, scruff- I remember you said how, that. How scruffy I look. Um, I've always been one for not having short hair. Uh, I've got a big beard. Uh, so that was picked up on. And I think the, the worst thing that happened to me was sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. 
having to deal with sexual harassment, that set me on a, a spiral to explosions because I don't feel like it was dealt with properly. Um, if I had been a female, it would have been dealt with differently. Yeah. Um, so I knew that at that point I had to go. And I'm the same as you. The way I dealt with it, I left. After five years, I packed it in in February. Yeah. And I have just been getting better and better ever since. So sometimes you've just kind of got to walk away from things. Uh, you know, the, the journey takes you so far and you think, well, I can't, I can't keep riding this train because it's, it's a train to darkness. Yeah, 100%. Some, sometimes you, the, the spikes are just not going to win. Yeah, yeah this mean, is it. Do you feel that you've ever had a breakup that has had either an effect on your mental health or an, a lasting effect on your mental health? Yeah. So and are you willing to talk about it? Oh yeah. <laughs> um Fashion. So it was when I was like 16, 17. I've never actually well, I have had one boyfriend and I was like fifteen at the time. Mm-hmm. So I've not had like an official boyfriend in recent memory. But there was this guy when I was in high school who um was in my year and like he was in a band and this big group of friends of mine, we used to go and watch this guy and his friends. The boys in the band. The boys in the band. He was the guitarist, rhythm guitarist or something. Oh, oh best of gear as well. Yeah. And um, we used to, it became quite a common occurrence for us to go and watch these guys play gigs around Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh-huh. They were doing quite well. Are you willing to name the band? Uh, no. <laughs> They're not together anymore. Like it's long since died anyway. It's right. not even worth naming them because they don't exist. But um this guy and me became quite good friends and he had a girlfriend who I'd known like longer than him actually. I can't remember how I knew her. I think we went in similar circles or we we passed each other growing up. I knew her longer. Mm-hmm. And um, or actually maybe not. Maybe she was in school with me before he was. But anyway, that's not important. <laughs> she was his girlfriend, and like me and this guy had like quite a good friendship. And um, basically, I'd admitted to my friends that I quite liked him, but he had a girlfriend, so it was just a no go. Mm-hmm. The token I'll admire from afar. I'll be a groupie <laughs> to the band. And um. Yeah. We were at a house party one time and he broke up with his girlfriend. I found out about it and like we'd kissed. And that was the biggest mistake ever because for two years it was a complete and utter back and forth between me and this other girlfriend. Oh, right, okay. Which, if anyone's ever been in that position, is mm-hmm. so bad on your mental health because you are kind of always put in that second best position. Yes. And she would have felt felt the same. I can say now as well, they're together still, like ten years later, they have a kid. So oh, like okay. it it does have like a happy ending for them. And like I'm happy because to be quite frank, fuck that. <laughs> but um for yeah, two years it was this constant back and forth. Me and the girl just ended up hating each other's existence. I became so volatile like really volatile and like there was alcohol and stuff at that age as well so drunk mm-hmm. phone in abuse down the phone phoning incessantly i went full psycho because i was 16 full of hormones yeah. you think this is the be all and end all i was every guy's worst nightmare <laughs> and i would have oh yeah i would have days where i would be like god you have to get a grip of yourself and, like, my parents were hating it as well. My poor dad was, like, watching his daughter just be this tragic mess over some piece of shit guy. My dad hates this guy. <laughs> Not unsurprising, yeah. Yeah. And, um, man, it just got worse and worse as time went on because you would think, right, they're definitely broken up. Like, it's I can get in here, make a go of it. And you know what, as well, in hindsight, all the guys' fault. Me and this other girl needn't have hated each other. It was by no means our fault. This guy was playing the two of us like nothing on earth. Like, I remember there would be days where we were going to school and like we'd pass each other in the halls and it's just a horrible feeling seeing a guy with another girl and vice versa for her. Like, I don't hate this girl by any stretch of the imagination now. Like, I totally get that it was all high school. Yeah, I yeah, hate this guy though. And unfortunately, like, she's still with him. So, I mean, fair play. 
but uh, I just remember it being some of the most volatile behaving years of my life. I was awful. And it's, it's, it was mental it's health. Like it's, it's, it's almost like um, heroin, right? When they say chase the dragon. I mean, you always chase your first high. Mm. So you think when, you, when you're that age, right? I don't like to drop the L bomb because it's no word I like to drop ever. Um, You're right though. You, f- you feel like it is the L word. Yeah. Um. So you you chase it and you chase it and you chase it. So it's it's I, I get where you're coming from. Um. With the cycle things. I mean, we've all done stuff when we've been teenagers that you look back on now and you think, oh my god, if I could cringe anymore, I'd lose toenails. Oh yeah. <laughs> I used to always like. Oh, I remember so, like trying to get his attention. So like, oh, like some of the text messages and stuff as well. Like you, oh, could you be any more desperate? <laughs> like, it's so bizarre. But at that age, like you are not thinking. You don't care. There's hormones going. Your heart, and you just text the guy the most ridiculous stuff, and you'd say anything to try and like convince him to come back. It was so volatile. We used to meet on this bridge as well at night time, like in between our two houses. And like, depending on the day, it could either be like a really nice meeting or we'd end up being like, fuck you and like <laughs> go home. <laughs> and my parents have to deal with me coming home in a bad mood. Yeah. It was all consuming. Yeah. Like he oh, would yeah. dictate my mood that day. I think we've all been through that way. That's a, that's a teenage thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but... It does have an effect. I would say it does have an effect, an effect, an effect um, on your mental health. Not, not in a way other things do, but I think, again, down to the analogy of chasing that dragon. Um, when you're go, when you're in a current relationship and things aren't great, you look back on, you know, the highs of past relationships. So you, mm-hmm. you're always kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Comparing things, and that's a dangerous thing. Can I compare when relationships are in like that? If you keep chasing that high, then you're going to end up in a position where you've not got any high. Yeah. Uh, breakups are a bastard, though, let's be honest. Uh, nobody ever comes out of them feeling good. So, moving on from that one, the next kind of point we've got is tips for anyone dealing with or preparing for a breakup to ensure that their mental health doesn't suffer. What are you saying to your pal? I'm coming to you and I'm saying, right, I'm going to break up with so-and-so or, right, I've broken up with so-and-so. What are you saying? I've had friends do this during lockdown because I'm sure a lot of people who are in the same households during last year got to that point where they were like, nah, no more. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Yeah, yeah, I remember saying to my friend, can you honestly... I mean, it depends if you think the breakup's a good idea or a bad idea. Like, every breakup's kind of different. There are people who you'd be like, 100% get out of there. Like, if it's, like you're saying, the mental health. Or sometimes a different side of mental health is things aren't that bad, but they've got it to a point in their head where they think they're, like, settling or maybe things could be better. Like, Like you said, chasing the dragon. Some people are in perfectly fine relationships and can somehow convince themselves that they're not, which I yeah. think was the case for a lot of my friends during lockdown. I think every little problem seemed amplified and the highs seemed less. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think my the best advice I can give someone before they break up is like, are you 100% sure? Are you ready to... And I also think that when you're going through a breakup, you need to sever all ties for a period of time. One hundred percent. Yeah, be- totally agree with that. Yeah, because like you're in your little routines with this person, you maybe text them first thing in the morning. Are you prepared to give up on that? Because if you're dumping this person, you owe them that to give them the clean break as well. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah, not yeah. string them along afterwards. Don't give them hope. But you best be uh, damn sure that when you break up with someone that you are 100% this isn't what you want. Because if you break up with them and a couple of days later it's, hi, it's not fair on them. If you're then in six months' time going to do the exact same thing. Yes, yes. Um, 
hundred percent. The clean, but the 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 server ties is super important. I would say, um, I would make sure that uh, it's it's very easy to contact someone now. Be that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Whatever. If you're breaking up with someone, yeah, get get rid of all that. Um, being prepared for it is obviously of, of of vital importance because whether or not you feel upset about it now, at some point in time there will be a a feeling of upset. Um, breakups, they uh, they're not split in half. Now one person hurts more than the other. Um, both people do hurt though, mm-hmm. one way or another. Um, it's I'm the worst for people coming and asking me for advice like that, because uh, I'm just like, look, if you're not feeling it, then you're not feeling it. These these things, you can't force these things. If it's not working, it's not working. Yeah. Um, but I'm the same. Don't string them along. Make sure that you're definitely over it. You're definitely finished with it. None of this booty call, again. Yeah. Going back for for the old nostalgia dip, if you will. Um. I think I, another thing that you. You have to be aware of, yes, it's your mental health, but it's also their mental health. They're probably, if they're getting dumped, going to go through it a lot worse than you because they don't feel the same way you do. You've gotten to a point where you've went, this isn't working. That doesn't mean that they necessarily feel that way. I think the best thing you could do as well, if you're breaking someone's heart and you're going to take a clean break, you owe it to that person to tell them exactly why. Because I yeah, think a lot yeah. of the pain for people, and I know for me personally, to be broken up with and not be told why, and don't ghost anyone ever because that is even worse. They can sit there and make up a million scenarios in their head. You need to tell them exactly why you're breaking up with yeah. them because I think an explanation can do a lot for someone's mental health. If you don't tell them, they can they forever sit in that bubble of, what did I do? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... And make sure it's face to face. Yes. Oh my god. None of this, none of this phone calls or emails or texts. I don't agree with that. One hundred percent. Yes, you should tell them why. Um, give them your reasonings for it. But what I would say on the flip side of that is, um, there's people that I know that are going through a breakup at the minute, and it's, it's the constant messaging. Yeah. Um, you can't just allow that to pass. Like if you split with someone and they're text, 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 texting. You either have to get that number blocked, or you have to go to the police. You can't, you, because that'll affect your mental health as well. Yeah. Um, so, aye. If you're the one doing the breaking up, you're based for impact. So, you kind of know it's coming, whereas the other person doesn't. So, like you say, um, definitely tell them the truth. None of this lie, carry on. Um, women's stance on mental health. Now, I can't obviously answer this because I'm no woman. Um. There's obviously been things in the mainstream media. Yes. Um, one case of the lady being uh, attacked and killed in London. Sarah Everard. Yes. I was not going to say the name, but yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, it's all right. It's, it's probably more poignant that you say it than I do. Um, the effects of that, how do you feel not being safe in the streets affects you? Like, from from the the male standpoint, I can't recall how many times I've said to a female when she's been out with us, even if it's just a drink in the pub or doing a park or whatever, geezer text when you get in. Yep. And you don't think about what it is you're actually saying. Um, how how do you feel about safety on the street and and what what do you think that does to women's mental health in general? I think it's something that we have grown up and just accepted. And I've never really, we've never questioned it. Like, mm-hmm. like you say with that text, get home safe. Me and my friends text that to each other. My dad will text it to me. I've just always taken that as like a standard text you would receive. I don't know any boy since this, this with Sarah Everard's happened. I don't know any boy who gets that text. No, no, I wouldn't text that to one of my mates. Yeah. If, if my pal's away up the road when we're in the pub, then it's what the fuck are you going him for, pussy? Yeah. Again, is that your missy's got your balls in, in a, a handbag? Like you slag them, you then make sure they're safe. Yeah. But, but then you don't have to feel like you have to wear nail. That's not fair. I think that it's first of all, it's awful what's happened to Sarah Everard. Like it's disgusting and it's scary. 
but it's given a platform to discuss this unfortunately I mean it's one thing that has in a way as a positive I don't know if I want to say it's a positive because someone had to go through something horrible for this conversation to even start yeah but I think it's something that we as women have also never really recognized at times like because it's just part of our life you and me and we were talking about this on discord the other night I get really anxious if I'm on a tube and the carriage is empty and someone comes on and instead of sitting up the other end of the carriage they sit beside me or in front of me like you immediately go why are you sitting there why are you coming over to me there's no one else in the carriage you must want to do something to me talk to me you immediately get your back up and it also made me think about things like tasers rape whistles they're all targeted at women they're not targeted at men yeah 100% but then I also started to think about I remember moving to London and I, this was something that I thought of it's more dangerous Um, I can't just walk home from a friend's house at night in London I knew that before I came here like London unfortunately has because it's a huge city and has loads of people in it statistically I'm more likely to get harmed than I was yeah. back in Livingston it's something that we are also taught growing up how how often are we told don't punch a boy because he can punch you back 10 times harder we're raised knowing that we cannot win a fight with a man so naturally when we get older and we see men coming towards us in the street and we know we're in an area where maybe not everyone's nice you do get defensive because if this person does randomly lash out or try to grab you you already kind of know that you're not going to win that yeah i've had conversations with my dad where i've said like dad if it was to happen to me i promise to dig my nails in do as much damage as possible so that there's dna now that's not me saying i'll win that fight that's me saying potentially i'll die but i'll make it easier to catch the prick that done it Mm. i shouldn't have to have conversations like that that is awful but that's that's what you do growing up like it's just a conversation that I'm sure a lot of women will say they've had as well. Every girl knows, like, I got sexually assaulted on a tube and it was my birthday. Fuck it was man. late at night. I had, I can't even say it was like a low cut top. It was very booby. It was booby, but it wasn't like, <laughs> I've worn worse, to be honest. And then um, a gentleman was sat beside me on the tube and like started touching me. At one point, he had a fistful of my hair. Fucking hell. And at the time, and again, it was a scenario where we, there was no one on the tube. It was me and this guy, and he sat beside me. Because you know damn well I didn't sit beside him. Yeah. You are so scared in that moment to do anything. You don't know what this person's capable of. You don't know what they have on them. London has unfortunately got an awful knife and gun crime problem. You don't know what this person's got concealed on their body. I sat there and allowed it to happen. I sat there. I was wondering to myself, I can't move seats because he's here. If I move seats, he knows I'm moving away from him. He'll get pissed off. He could be like, why? Why are you moving away? Do you not like it? I can't get off the train because he might follow me. At the same time, I'm scared to get off at my home tube station because he will then know the relevant area that I live in. What the fuck do you do? Wow. So I was sat there. Yeah, so I sat there and I I took it. Like the guy had his hand on my leg like it's just disgusting shit like and you kind of have to it sounds bad and you feel like an idiot in hindsight and every woman will you kind of go along with it you'll say and do anything to get this guy to fuck like so he's asking me questions and I'm answering them and then I got off and I'd been drinking as well not paralytic drunk I was good enough to get home but I remember I got into the house and then all of a sudden I realized what had happened and I phoned my uncle, like, screaming. I was so upset. And my uncle was like, why didn't you get off the train? And I was like, he could have followed. Like, I didn't... You can't get off the tube train because you don't know that stop. You don't know where you can go. You don't know where you can get help. You're, like, Fuck. in such an awkward situation. And I know I'm not the only woman that's gone through this. There'll be so many women who go through this. Yeah, of course. But unfortunately, at the same time, as will be the case with Sarah Everard, you think to yourself, what are the odds that this will be the one guy that could potentially take me off this planet 
we hope in that scenario that it's just an arsehole who is gonna want his five minutes of attention and then you can get away from him and it'll be fine but there's yeah. always the chance that it'll be the one guy who just will not let you go and will potentially do something that's harmful and this is stuff like you're saying just now you have no idea that this is what goes through our minds and what we have to deal with no i had absolutely no idea yeah and that, that, that that's the real that's such a real shame but there will be so many other women that have similar and potentially worse stories like and it's not just strangers as well like, that's really important and i know it's not all men i know that there's a lot of guys who are getting really they yeah, feel but like the guys who are getting wound up about that are fucking idiots i mean when no one's saying it's all men yeah, calm yourself yeah but i, th- I think that these gentlemen need to really put themselves in our shoes like it's kind of that whole white male privilege where it's like we can do whatever the fuck we want and there's like no repercussions and stuff of it i know that you're like a white male but you're 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 learning now like this is what we have to go through you have a girlfriend as well who i'm sure will have similar stories or you'll text her and be like can you make sure you get home safe yeah of course. it's a conversation that I think all men need to have I still walk down the street London's notoriously bad for people shouting things from vans and to- uh, tooting horns or people drive past and they stare at you and it's scary, it's unnerving especially people who drive vans and whatnot. and that's in the wake of what's happened with Sarah Everard so there's a bit of a scenario now where everyone's talking about it and some guys still don't care they're still continuing this behaviour that's what needs to stop there needs yeah, to be yeah. a moment where these gentlemen look at themselves. I shouldn't even call them gentlemen. They're arseholes. They need to really look at themselves and wonder, like, where the fuck did it all go wrong that I think a girl is going to see me honk from a car and want to marry me? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't understand what goes through their heads when they're like, all right, darling. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, my God. Yes, I'll marry you. I'll jump into bed <sighs> with you. Never happened. Name me one time that's ever worked. I can only imagine how bad that actually is. I mean, uh, uh, you only really need to be in a nightclub with your pals and be the one who's no drunk to realise how much some guys move in such a predator, predatory, I can't say the word, predatory. Yeah, predatory. Yeah. Predatory manner. It's, I don't get it personally. Um, I don't. I don't know if there's anything ever happened to them in their life, or they just think that now they're a, they're a male, they're dominant. Um, yeah, I whoever don't... they are, they're just scumbags. I don't know where it stems from either. Like, I know we have a lot of blame on lad culture. I quite like a bit of lad culture. I can be a bit oh, of a so lad. Do I. So do I. Don't get me wrong, but you, you've got to know when to draw the line. Yeah, that's the problem. It's how these people don't understand or can't assess their own behaviour. To the point where they realise this has gone too far. There's a lot of this going on on YouTube just now as well. Where there's a lot coming out about these creators. Who are creating scenarios. Where they're like intimidating women into doing things. That they're not necessarily comfortable with. There's been a history of that forever as well to be honest. With like people who have powerful positions. And I think it's a little bit to do with that. Male are Men are sadly kind of naturally dominant to women we can't fight you off that's why we're kind of looked upon as prey and that is such a fucking horrible thing to say and you're you're, you're right like looked upon as prey that is awful i mean Um, how often can you say you've gone to a nightclub and think i'm gonna get my hole um i mean that that is the be all and end all of, of a male going out like that is why he's going out to get his, as you put it. I didn't say it; you did. Um, get his hole. I've done uh, that though. I've had nights out where I've went, gonna go home with a guy tonight. The difference being, I'll ask myself at some point, if I go home with this guy, will I come back? And that's the difference. Yeah. Where I get a guy doesn't really care. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. I've gone on dates and stuff in London, and I've been on the tube to go and meet them, and I've went. This is a horrible idea. I don't really know this person. We've been talking for a couple of weeks. I don't know what this person's capable of, and that's the scary thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's probably online dating as well. The online dating of, of these what they Twitter, 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 no Twitter. What's it called oh, again? Tinder. 
Tinder. That's that's the that's the danger of things like that, Ray, because you just do not know who's on the other side of that. Yeah. It's meant to be fun. Yes, yes, and but it's it's not. It's, there's also it's, yeah, there's also an easy avenue for exploitation there. Um, and if someone sees that as an avenue to take, then they will. Because there's so many scumbags in in the world at the minute. It's a real shame. And God bless that lady that that, that lost her life. She done everything right as well. That was the scary thing. She was on the phone to her boyfriend for fifteen minutes walking home. She took, I know the area. She took the right mm. path home. She stuck to the main road, well lit. She was in bright clothes. That's this. I think that's what the really scary thing is. If she had like gone down a little side street, and even then, it's still a horrible thing to say. But if she had done something that you'd be like, oh, maybe that's why. Maybe like she was su- such an easy target or something. This one's particularly scary because there's nothing she done that every other woman wouldn't do. We would that, all that, do what Sarah done. That's so sad as well. The, the wording of that, like she did everything right. Yeah. Like she, she, she was never in a position to do anything wrong. She was, she was just going home. Yeah. It's just fucking scum, and I hope they throw the book at him. I think they will as well. Like honestly, Scumbag. the. Even the fallout and stuff, like with the protests, and we don't mm. know the full picture of what's happened at the protest. There's obviously a certain narrative that some people want to believe, and then there's another narrative. The fact that it's a police officer, though, is something the Met have to deal with. Like, they need to make an example. I think the watchdog are looking into them because he had an accusation against him previously that was maybe not looked yeah. into enough. That all needs to be made very public. Like, and also the Met Police, like they don't have a good reputation down here. Like, a, there's a lot of hatred for police. Yeah. And this. And police officers don't often fare well in prison. So. Yeah, that's another I'd thing. Actually. He's, he's he's not in for a for a nice time. Not very clever, is he? Fucking scumbag. It's awful. But yeah, I remember them saying, like, as in the aftermath, that if you walked down Clapham, there was not a single girl walking out on her own. They all had like men accompanying them but that also shouldn't be what happens i also no. don't agree with a curfew on men like i, no, I don't agree with that's, that that's in that that every single walk of life has their own level of extremism yeah and people who are touting that are just extremists that's it's not the way to do it that's what that's they the they tried to do that if you ever watched the documentary about the yorkshire ripper they, I've seen it. Yeah, they tried to do that in Leeds and Manchester and stuff, and like do this curfew, uh, and it didn't do anything. No, no, that that's a good documentary, by the way. I really enjoyed that documentary. It was really good. Um, right on on a, a, a not so negative note, we've obviously had a long conversation, and I've really enjoyed it. It's been um, good, actually. I mean, I know it's I not really the it. most buzzing of topics, but no, it's not. But it's I have actually really enjoyed it. But on a, on a wee bit of a brighter note, for me, maybe not for you, um, I'm going to just go into it and tell you what the fuck happened to Hearts the other night. I have no idea. See, being a Hearts fan, you it's a roller coaster, and I mean like tremendous highs, like 5-1 against Hibs, I've lifted three Scottish Cups in my life. And then there's just horrific lows where you're like, what happened? And this <laughs> is kind of one of them, like, I used to be a season ticket holder for Hearts. Like, I love Hearts. Me and my dad, that's our thing. We would die for our team. Maybe no now. Of course. But, <laughs> like, and my dad used to um, be a voluntary groundsman when Hearts were in administration. My dad used to dev at the pitch and stuff. And my dad's coached with Hearts. Yeah. But I honestly don't know what's going on. Like, I watched the documentary over Christmas. It was a three-part documentary or four-part documentary. I never watched that. I really wanted to. I forgot about it. It was kind of fascinating. It was about them, it, obviously, during COVID. It was like the run-up to the season. It's obviously, we got relegated. But it was the run-up to that season and then COVID happening and our whole manager search when they hired Robbie Nielsen. Yeah. Now, I like Robbie. I loved him as a player. He was one of my heroes. He needs to kind of go now, though. Like, I don't know what else we can do. Like, who on earth are Brora Rangers? Like, who are they? <laughs> are you not at the top of the league, though, walking the, the championship? They hadn't played in, like, months. They came out and said they hadn't prepared. 
Hearts were training before the premiership because we were allowed to come back during COVID. We had like extra weeks to train. Mm-hmm. So this is a team who have been allowed to train sort of all season or came back earlier than Celtic and Rangers in theory because we were a division lower. How are we not beating Brora Rangers who have not trained in two months? And that is just... Things happen. That's, do you know what, things to be happen. honest though, that's just being a Hearts fan. It's not acceptable. Um, it's not acceptable. That is a very, very embarrassing result for your club. Um, but these things happen, and it's cup football as well, so the chances of them happening in cup football are always going to be higher. I know, but um, Brora Rangers though, hun. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what? Like, I remember we got beat. I mean, it's just, honestly, I don't know how to explain it other than that's hearts. Like, I mind when we got mm-hmm. beat, like, 5-0 or something by Libby. That was another one of those moments where you're just like, what are we doing? Aye, aye, believe me. As a as a Rangers supporter over the last, well, for the 30 years of my life, from from winning trophies to getting, being at stadiums with a ball is getting stuck in hedges. I've been through it all. Yeah. Um, so I get you. I get you. You just will be back in the Premier League next year. I think that's what's so disappointing, though. Like, because we've gone through the relegation, we would want to try for silverware. You'd expect them to give the fans that and then to go out uh, against whoever Broader Rangers are. Like. We've got them in the next round. Oh, imagine they put you out. Uh, we've got them at Ibrox in the next round. Oh, you've need, um, need danger. You'll win. Oh, well, we're fucking better. Yes. I have to add, before we, we wrap things up, that relegated unfairly. Well, I was going to ask you as well. You must be on a high because you have done your... Uh, You've got your title. Yay! Early moon, mate. I've tried not to gloat because it's, it's, it's no nice. I, I, I've been at the top. We've been at the top. I say, ah, yeah, I don't play for Rangers. Um, been at the top. Been at the bottom and we've made our way back to the top and it's glorious. It's, glor- it's glorious to see just how annoyed and triggered some... Celtic fans are. I didn't want to say it, but how triggered some Celtic does are on, uh, on, on Twitter. It's absolutely fan. Dusty. They are biting. I've seen quite oh, a few. Lit mad. And I can't help but wind them up, eh? I mean, I hate Celtic. Like, potentially more than Hibs. Like, Oof. no, and to be fair, like, a lot of my family are the same. There's something about Celtic fans that is so insufferable. <laughs> right? And when I used to help my dad divot the pitch, like, if you were playing against Celtic, and to be fair, sometimes Rangers and definitely against Hibs as well, you'd find coins in the goal mouth. But I just remember Celtic threw so many. I picked up enough That's... coins to buy my mum a decent Mother's Day present. And uh, oh. I just, I hate... Thank you, thank you, Green Brigade, eh? Thank you, it must have been Gyro Day. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, halfway through the season, just the turn on Facebook of all the Celtic fans, like, kicking off about Neil Lennon and the chairman, and it just disintegrated from there. It's, it's been yeah, good. It's been, uh... It's been a glorious year to be a hun, <laughs> as we're called. It's been a glorious year to be a hun, and may it continue for a long time. Well, I, kind I of do hope... also hear though that your 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 named counterparts away to Aberdeen. Uh, someone tweeted me this morning. This is so dumb. Someone <laughs> tweeted me this morning. Let me find this, and I think they were trying to like strike up a conversation. I don't think they genuinely thought I was Scott Brown, but someone tweeted me saying. Can't believe you're going to Aberdeen, man. Good luck, Captain. Leader. Legend. And I just did not respond. <laughs> but I will now. I'm just going to write, cheers, mate. <laughs> I, used get, I used to get on Twitter, believe it or not. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but because my name is the same name as the ex-Canadian Prime Minister, I used to get fucking pelters on Twitter that people DMing me how much of a cock I am and I'm this and that the next time. I'm like, you have got the wrong Stephen Harper. I am not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just used to be so much fun. I'll need to try and find them and I'll show you some on Discord. Some of them are better. I get um, a lot of people on Twitter, on Twitch, come in and go, are you Scott Brown? I'm like, no, Scott Brown wishes he was me. Scott Brown. He said, no, hen, I don't look like Voldemort and I don't eat <laughs> Yeah. But one one last thing. Yeah. I think I put this in the wee notes. My, I didn't know, and I, I, that's why I've not mentioned it before, my dad's cousin, Tommy, was actually the physio for Hearts for a long time. Which, my dad might know him. I think it's Richie. I think it's Tommy Richie. 
Um, my dad will be back me up on that. And I don't know if he's still there now, because obviously me and my dad are season ticket holders at Ibrox. So when we've been at Ibrox, Tommy's been with the, the opposing team, and we sit very close to the way dugout, which is great against Celtic. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've seen my dad go to like, well, like three rows to the front, so I've seen my dad going away down the front to speak to him. Um, I don't know where he is now, but he was at Hearts for a long time. I've literally just texted my dad, did you know Tommy Ritchie was the physio at Hearts? And he's typing, so he might come back. Imagine he was like, what a prick. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it was Ritchie. I can't, I can't remember. I've to double check with my brother. But He'll, um, my dad probably would have known him. Like, There's a lot of people at Tynecastle my dad seems to know randomly, but I mean... He did used to coach, and I should mm-hmm. say, I should clarify, he didn't coach like Hearts, but he used to do like youth team coaching and stuff, and he used yeah, to do it at Tynecastle. coaching at Hearts. Ah, still cool as fuck. Still cool as fuck. But yeah, no, we can yeah. follow up on that if my dad does, uh, does know him. He's writing an actual Bible here. <laughs> uh, he'll be outlining how he hates him, and he'll be like, see, he's got this horrible cousin called Stephen, and he's a right asshole. <laughs> As I'm saying, imagine he was like, what a prick. <laughs> uh, a full family at Arfels. It would have been Ramsey, to be fair. Although, most of the plaudits from the last podcast went on how nice my dad sounds. Unbelievable. But Unbelievable. You do have a nice um podcast voice, I will say. Who, my dad? Yeah, you and your dad. I think as well your dad was like so well-spoken. Ah, uh, That's because he, he works in Edinburgh with the Paw Shows. You know, he's, 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 he's obviously very... I shouldn't say that, I'll probably take that out. Um, but that's because he works in a very posh environment. So he has to speak correctly. Um, My dad does, in fact, remember a Tommy Ritchie. Fantastic. He goes, why? A small world, yeah. <laughs> I literally just small said small world. world. He says it's my friend's dad's cousin. He's going to be like, small what? <laughs> Aye, that's, a, that's a heavy trail to follow. Is. <laughs> um, but... We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there because we're, we're over an hour and it's only supposed to be half an hour. Oh, right. But thank you for, for, for talking to me. Thank you for having me. Again, apologies. Um, it's like a bit of a... It's some hard-hitting topics, but they need to be discussed. That's it. And where can people find you again? They can find me on Twitch at um, twitch.tv forward slash BR00NY. Perfect. Thanks very much, then. I shall speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye.